0: To another episode of Jesus, Dietrich, and me, a special Election Day coverage on Tuesday, November 8th. Good to be with you again as we are going to be uh, looking and closing out this article, this article that we started last week, um, talking about Bonhoeffer's quote unquote troubling theology. And so uh, we've, we spent some time last time, spent some time last week talking through this article, which was written by a did we de- did we determine if Wardock was a pastor or is he just a Lutheran,
1: like a scholar? He, does, he doesn't say he's a pastor. Okay, but he's a he's a Lutheran, is what he said. Yeah, he's a Lutheran right. pastor. He'd say so, I think. <laughs> okay,
0: so uh, so he he wrote this article as a as a kind of a response piece to an article about the troubling truth about Bonhoeffer's theology, and so he calls to attention a lot of the things that this previous article calls out. Um, I don't remember often. Weigart—that's the name of the—that's the name of the author. Yeah, and so he—he t- he calls to mind a lot of the things that he brings up, and some of the things were the creation stuff, which we've talked about. Uh, the his view of the Bible—we spent a lot of time talking about conversion experience, uh, and then we ended with religionless Christianity. And what does Bonhoeffer say about that? Yes. Why would he say something like that? Uh, and then today we're going to move into a little bit more. And I know you've got some things that you wanted to talk about. Before we do that, uh, before we do Follies, Pastor Hill, how are you feeling today? Another year older. Since the last podcast, we celebrated your birthday.
1: Nobody your age is going to understand this, but there was a time when you bought a car <laughs> and you dreaded the moment. It went from four nine 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 to five zero 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 whatever one. Because like you knew, miles? yeah, you knew. I don't know if it was planned obsolescence, but you knew anything and everything could go wrong is now going to happen because, <laughs> because they just crossed mileage? fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah, um, to us fifty thousand is like almost new, right? So what are you at now? What?
0: What mileage would you say that you're at then? Fifty thousand and one.
1: Fifty thousand
0: and one. Okay.
1: How old I am? That's a, 74. You know
0: I have I have one hundred and thirteen thousand miles on my car, and it still runs fabulously. So, if that's any indication, we're in good shape. Uh, I say that because I have your birthday gift, and I wanted you to open it with a live reaction. Okay. So I'm coming over. Open the
1: first if it one. explodes. The
0: first. Maybe open the first one first, and I want you to tell me what. You, tell me what you see, or what you is the first one yeah that's the first one
1: Dietrich Bonhoeffer no rusty story actually a book I haven't read
0: yeah that's what we talked about we're like we're like wait a second neither one of us ever heard it uh I had to track it down but I found it
1: your inscription says what's another year without more Bonhoeffer <laughs> happy birthday love Tyler I can't so you'll find have it. to read it while yeah. you're
0: on vacation next week
1: well, yeah Oh, the other thing,
0: and then the other thing. I mean, you could you could do it every while with that. <laughs> what is that? The uh, the sponsor for our uh, for the I podcast. I wish it was.
1: <laughs> it is Irish whiskey, triple distilled.
0: Yes, one of your favorites.
1: Matured and bottled in Ireland, Tullamore Dew. Yes.
0: So maybe this may be the, the
1: shortest podcast we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: You'll have to read it. I'm sure that it's probably, the book has, not the label of the whiskey, but I'm sure that the book has... The label might be more interesting. <laughs> right. I'm I'm certain that the book probably has a lot of similarities that we have read. I don't know if it has cost discipleship in it.
1: It's got um, collections, so there's probably things
0: in here from everywhere. Yeah, from everywhere. I've skimmed through it, and there were some things that I didn't recognize yet, so... Give it a read, uh, skim through it. If there's anything interesting in it, we can we can come to it and talk about it. So okay, um, but yeah. So happy birthday! Another year that we get to hang out together and and be together and continue this discussion and the ministry. All right. So follies this week. Uh, do you have a folly this week? Because I have one that's quite
1: funny. Oh, it's election day. Yes. But just a minute ago, I was looking at. It. Small crisis in Detroit because many voters in various precincts were told that the database says they had already voted. Absentee. And so a huge intervention happened because it couldn't possibly be, you can't hear my sarcasm, that the database was actually right, that even if they hadn't voted themselves, somebody had voted for them. For them, right. But no, they were all, all allowed to vote again anyway. We just pres- oh, good. We presumed presumed the data was wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, have a, I was talking to my dad today. I think uh, he was like, "Did you make sure you vote?" I said, "He's like, I was number fifty, whatever." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, I was number three at my precinct this morning." And uh, it was kind of funny because the we were waiting in line. My wife and I were with, and there was a guy right in front of us. We started chatting with the guy in, in front of us, and he was a really nice guy. But we were there, the polls officially did not open until 7 o'clock this morning. Mm -hmm. And so we were waiting early because we, Brainy has to work and I had things to do and things like that. So we went as early as we could and we're waiting and we're asking, can we vote early? And they say to us, well, we don't think the system will allow us beforehand and we don't, (laughs) they said, we don't want to have any illegitimate votes. And the guy in front of me, without missing a beat, says, "Yeah, we wouldn't want that to happen, would we?"
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah. that was that was how my morning started, which I thought was I thought was pretty yeah. funny.
1: Um, this is not a folly, but kind of like it's like really um, they're telling us it might be a week we have before we have the results, and that means we're the only. First world nation that can't manage to count their votes on election night. England mm-hmm. can, France can, Germany can, Italy can, Israel can. Everybody else in the world who is uh, technologically savvy can do it, but it takes us days. Well, we want to make sure Just that everyone has an opportunity. Just like we were Ecuador or something.
0: Right, <laughs> right. <sighs> um, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I had one today, so Twitter was officially switched hands this past week with uh, Elon Musk. Although I'm still confused on how all that works, but everyone's like, oh, he came in and (laughs) fired a bunch of people and, and all that. And
1: so there's this feet gigantic print news, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Yeah. And everyone's going crazy. And one of the things was that he was like, he was charging $8 for people to get the blue check Mark, which means that you're verified or whatever. And so people are all upset and they're and. he was firing back and I'm like, oh, are you upset that, uh, that regular people can have elite status on social media forums? And he's like, you can have that too. Just pay the eight bucks and <laughs> things like that. It was just so funny. With the thing that I had, so this, this Twitter blue feature... Uh, it's like, it's like Twitter plus. So you have access to a couple of different things. Um, you pay a monthly fee for it. You get more characters in your tweets. So instead of having a classic 180 character tweet, you can have more than that. You can have, upload longer videos and things like that. But, uh, someone, someone was, there's, apparently there's a lot of people that are really upset about this for a couple of different reasons, <laughs> but someone tweeted Uh, Elijah Schaefer. This was on uh, yesterday, well, yesterday morning. And he says, breaking news. As the Twitter blue is rolling out, some users are upset. When selecting your sex option in the profile, it has male, female, and other. So that's what you get to determine what, what you are. Are you a male, are you a female, or other? If a user selects other, a seek help button pop-up box appears, and the app makes them auto-follow libs of TikTok, which is, a, uh, which is a Twitter handle, Twitter feed that exposes a lot of uh, BS on the internet. <laughs> and so it says, when asked for comment, a Twitter spokesman said, we are a private company and can do whatever we want. Don't like it? Build your own platform. Don't know how? Learn to code. <laughs> It it was just so funny that this is what people are upset about, that you have to, you have to select either male or female. And if you don't know which one you are, then you have to, you get an automatic seek mental help. And, uh, it's funny. It's also sad because you and I, I think probably both know people that actually are having gender identity crisis. And it actually is heartbreaking when they don't know, or they think they don't know, or they think they're one thing and they're not. And, um, you know it's just it was just funny how people are outraged that they, they are legitimately outraged that you can't select a, any other gender outside of male or female. And so um, that was kind of my folly for two things, a little bit of humor, but also also the seriousness of, of all of that. so
1: but on to speaking of elections. So Facebook is getting ready to small, I said large print. Musk, layoffs, evil man, small print. <laughs> oh, by the way, Facebook is getting ready to do massive layoffs. That That's not even really a story. Uh, so. No. Nope.
0: Well, there was a story just recently. Uh, Zuckerberg was on, I believe he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and uh, he openly admitted that they censored all the information over the last two and a half years. And so I don't know if that's all coming to light, but that's you and I are like, yeah, of course they did. And other people are like, why, you would never do that to us. Facebook's supposed to be a, a wonderful place for us. Um, it's, no. <laughs> no. No. No.
1: So. And then there was the Chef Boyardee comment by some guy running for Congress. Oh, I missed that. You missed that. He was talking about inflation and hardship for working families, and his advice, his reminiscences were, well, things got hard in our family. We, Back in the day, we just started eating... Chef Boyardi. is that a chicken or <laughs> roast beef or whatever? Mm-hmm. You know, Mom would go to the store and buy a can of uh, Chef like Boyardi. ravioli? Ravioli or the lasagna Spadios. or the, the whatever the one is with beef. I'm sure this was really good for uh, Chef Boyardi's business. Yeah, I'm man. sure it was. <laughs> <laughs> Stup- well, he wasn't advocating it, but his answer was so out of tune with, the reality of
0: Oh geez. That's too funny. I, I just people are nuts. And we'll probably have a whole whole handful of follies next week. Yeah. Uh following the next couple of weeks of the elections. Whether they magically find votes. Some you said you said uh was it was it Saturday a Bible study? We were at we were at the church that we have Bible study in and they were so this was at like eight o'clock in the morning and was it you or was it Bill? Because they were they were wheeling in like supplies for some for event they were having that day crap yeah, show. Crap show and was it you that said, "Oh look, there was a Bill." Look, know.
1: they're wheeling in the extra votes. <laughs> well, that sounds. Yeah, that actually sounds like. I mean, I would say not Bill.
0: But... I think I think yeah. you can expect some uh, some sketchy behaviors coming out over oh, the you know, next week.
1: Well, I've already. Then we've probably already get off this, but yeah. Both sides have already lawyered up big time.
0: Oh, sure. for Absolutely. Um,
1: that Fetterman guy dropped a lawsuit yesterday wanting every absentee ballot in federal court to get, because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said no, and it actually has to be signed and dated correctly to be counted. And mm-hmm. so he's suing at the federal level to get o- that overturned, so... Good Lord, we'll never so know. So, you
0: can have unofficial votes?
1: It's not whether the vote was done correctly. It was be li- liberal here, be woke. It was the intention of the voter. I see. So, they intended for their vote to count, they just <laughs> forgot to sign it, forgot yeah. to date oh, it. Oh, wow. Lord, maybe even forgot to send it. Never mind. You know what happens in uh, in school when I
0: would forget to put my name on a on an essay or on a test? I didn't get credit for that for that grade. Fascists, I, right? Yes. How dare me? Sue me. Cancel me. Yeah. All right. We or we a shot out of a cannon today. So
1: you want to get? Yeah, I want to go. Bring so it back. Bring it back. The big I picked out. Five major criticisms, and we can decide which ones we've dealt with adequately. But in the beginning of this article, it says Bonhoeffer, um, he's now talking about in his prison time, discontinued daily Bible meditation as it was too religious. First criticism. Second criticism, Bonhoeffer did not believe in biblical inerrancy. Uh, follow, but follow Karl Barth's view that scripture is true, even if not empirically accurate. You could say factually accurate. Uh, he rejected the whole field of, Bonhoeffer, uh, apologetics. Four, that he, under the influence of Nietzsche, denied the scripture contains any universal, timeless principles or propositions. Uh, five, Um, He never talked of his own conversion and had a distaste for Christians talking or writing about their conversions.
0: So, I know we talked about the conversion a little bit last week. Uh, The Nietzsche thing appeals to me because I've actually read a little bit of Nietzsche. Um, What was the Barth thing again?
1: Barth's view of Scripture that it's true but not empirically, you could say factually accurate. Okay. Um, so scripture I'm, I'm this interpreting... This is all from the Weikart article? Yeah. Article, right? Very beginning of it. The synopsis yeah. of it. So yeah. yeah. Um, God uses the flawed scripture I'm interpreting to uh, impart his timeless um, spiritual truths, even though there may or may not I'm I'm not stating my own opinion. whether there may or may not have been a six day creation or may or may not have been a feeding of 5,000, that is not as important as that the Holy Spirit uses this document to impart uh, spiritual truth, not physical earthly truth. Okay And so
0: I' start with that one. and then we'll do apologetics. Yes, okay. They're probably going to go hand in hand, yeah. I would imagine.
1: So I'm just quoting this author, Weikert. It um, says, Bonhoeffer's doctrine of Scripture did not change appreciably during his career, but his attitude towards Scripture did fluctuate, this page four. Sometime around 1931, Bonhoeffer had a significant religious experience. Where was that? Do you remember Harlem.
0: I would say that'd be probably was that when he went south, right?
1: Well, no, that's when he con- became involved in the Second Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem. Right, but didn't
0: well, he go? But didn't he go south? You get that, that Experience the Jim Crow. Okay, so this was before that. Yeah. So. Uh, so he's in at the Abyssinian Church. Ab- Adam something was the pastor, right? <sighs> yes. Um. Adam. Yeah, that was
1: Clayton Powell.
0: Adam Clayton. Powell, that's right. So he, that was when he comes back to, uh, to Germany and says that, he said, someone said something along the lines of, uh, well, how your view has changed of this dr- dramatically. And he's like, yeah, that was because I wasn't a Christian <laughs> or before I became a Christian. Yeah. So. so he had this great moment. We've talked about this in, on this podcast. This, New York was very formative for him. His time yes. at Union Theological Seminary was very formative.
1: And of course Union Theological Seminary was the most liberal seminary in America at the time but regardless what what he encountered was people who actually lived their faith as opposed to German Christians who well you couldn't really say they lived their faith day to day hour to hour they didn't suffer together pull together they didn't they didn't do life together. Um,
0: Maybe they should have read his book? Yeah.
1: So he said, Bonhoeffer said something like this, that their theology was, I'm trying to think of a polite way, <laughs> uh, unsophisticated. How's that? Unsophisticated. I, okay, good. But their Christian life and discipleship was exemplary. Yeah. And so, yes.
0: Well, I think that's... I think that's very similar to a lot of churches today. Um, We've talked at length, at least privately. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast. Um, There are churches within our, even within our synod, churches that support us that uh, you and I question doctrinal practices and question things about you know what their order of worship is. How come this church doesn't have the Lord's Prayer every Sunday? How come they don't say the, one of the creeds? Why don't they have a clear confession and absolution time? Not excited about those kinds of things. However, with all that being said, uh, this very same church probably is more active in their community than most other churches within or even our even within our synod. Um, So those are the kinds of things that I think that he's talking about. You got questionable theology, but undeniable service and dedication to the Lord.
1: Yeah. Okay, a cynic would say, when you strip the cross away from the gospel, all you have left is the social gospel. Yeah. And so if you're a United Methodist, you are equally passionate about all these things, Mm-hmm. A lot of the causes they're passionate about are evil, but you're very outwardly focused, not on uh, uh, bringing the gospel or discipleship, but about you know being in quotes Christ for the world. So, but now let's go back. He had an experience in Harlem that you could call convor- conversion. I, I can't remember for sure whether he ever said it was born. He felt like he was born again might have actually said that but then luther did say that mm. what what happened to luther when he when and where did he have his
0: his conversion
1: conversion yeah
0: um well i mean twofold right? i mean there's the there's the famous thunderstorm right where he looks to the heavens and says lord get me out of this and i will become a monk uh but then, so then he becomes a monk. But then there's the moment where he has what they call his breakthrough when he's looking at. And I think was that
1: one something.
0: Yeah, was that uh, Co, not was that Coburg, not Coburg Hall, Wartburg? Warburg? Maybe I don't remember which. It's extinct. I think
1: it's actually while he, he while he was preparing his uh, studies on the Book of Romans, his commentary, okay. his teachings. Yeah,
0: all all I know is that it was bef- it was all before. Um, the 95 Thesis and all that. Um, So this would have been, you know, early 1500s. And he has this encounter with Romans chapter 1. I believe it's verse 26. I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, it's the verse that says the righteous will live by faith. And so that's where
1: he says... In in the movies, he takes the pen out and writes the word alone in the margin.
0: right? Right, right. Um, so it's one of those things where he used really struggled with this. Well, how can I, how can I live by, how can I be righteous? How, I want to be righteous. How do I, I, I confess my sins. I do all the right things, but yet I still am convicted of who I am as a sinner. So how on earth can I be justified? And it was through the revelation further study in Romans that he found that in Romans chapter three, he says that it's that faith alone from outside of ourselves, outside of the law justifies the man and that was kind of his conversion experience and once once that finally clicked for him uh the rest of the reformation would just phew, shoo, shot out of a cannon
1: he suddenly saw the scriptures he had new new lenses to yes. see the scripture
0: well you one might say that he looked at it through the through the lens of christ yeah faith alone and grace alone
1: so there's a parallel there i know the last time we talked about this by the way whatever and Barthian things there are about Bonhoeffer he was not loath to criticize Barth but as we several podcasts ago as we studied he never says a word in opposition to Luther he Bonhoeffer is you know, quintessentially whatever that word is Lutheran okay mm-hmm. so Luther didn't start preaching you must be born again or conversion theology, or that's one of the accusations later against Bonhoeffer, that he wasn't interested in bringing the lost to Christ.
0: Uh, Is that possible to say yes and no? Yes
1: (laughs) and no. Well, you know, I think his focus was more about those who were nominally Christian. He wasn't interested in bringing more nominal Christians into the church. He was interested in teaching the nominal Christians to be disciples to yeah, live their faith. Yeah, I would agree faith. with
0: that.
1: Yeah. Um, and so... He
0: wasn't a, he wasn't a missionary, so, so to speak.
1: Or even an evangelist, really. Yeah. And so, too, again, last week we talked about this, you know, no, by any stretch of imagination, by American definitions of evangelical. Neither Luther, nor Bonhoeffer, or Barth were evangelical. Oh. Okay. And when you write from that viewpoint and say if you're not evangelical, you're somehow, well, if you're not a heretic, you're heterodox. That would right. be a polite word, right? Heterodox means you believe things that are not true about Christianity. So, yeah, so no, he's not, he's not, he's not Billy Graham. Right, right. And if I were to say anything about Billy Graham, I'd say it was just the opposite. It's his big push was to bring people into the church, but you could also say, as soon as they came forward, it was you know, you can't see my hands. You drop them, yeah. and his hands are and big, hope the local yeah. churches will pick them up and teach them how to be Christians. Right. But statistically, we know that was, the success rate for that was pretty, pretty low.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, even that that the same kind of deal works in the Lutheran Church, too. I was lis- listening to a video, so I preached at um, Christ our Savior Lutheran Church on Sunday, and right now they're doing a Bible study, which is not really a Bible study. It is, but it isn't, uh, but it's... Necessary and important and, I think, interesting, um, but they're teaching their people about the history of the LCMS and things like that, and um, there was a video that they showed to kind of introduce the, the different parts of the synod, which one of them was, I it's mission, uh, mercy, and life together, so it's being missional, it's showing acts of mercy, and And then being in community with the Synod. I might be messing up one of those. But anyway, so the video that he showed to kind of introduce these concepts was a video from one of the conventions with uh, President Harrison. And President Harrison in this video is talking to uh, people, uh, specifically talking to pastors and seminarians and talking about how it's important to be church-planting. Uh, but one of the things that he brought up was, uh, you know, how many people, how many people that graduate, so to speak, from confirmation stay in the church? Uh, and then it's even how many, he, how, it's how many people from baptism even get to confirmation? And it's even less. And I would, I'm going to butcher this number, but uh, the, the roughly it was like, it was under one out of four, People that are baptized into the church actually even make it into having a regular church life. So once they get there, once you get to the water of baptism, you drop them. And that's that speaks a lot to, not just to the church, but to the families and the people who have brought the kids, the children, to baptism. If there's nothing else after that, this is what we've been talking about with the with the pro-life movement. And why so many people that I've encountered, people that are pro-choice, their biggest frustration with the pro-life movement is that it seems that for a lot of people, especially when you politicize pro-life, not necessarily the church, but when you politicize pro-life, well, you're just saying we want the kids out of the womb and then we're actually not going to care for them after that, which is, that's part of the pro-life movement too. And so, but that's, that kind of goes with your Billy Graham comment. It's just get them here, get them to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and then let them go. And we can put a check mark in the box. And I think that's why a lot of Lutherans in particular that I've encountered (laughs) don't like Billy Graham (laughs) and other evangelists like that.
1: So part of being, as this author is obviously evangelical, one of the problems is, um, Watch me put you on the spot for after you did me the birthday present thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was fun. <laughs> for you. And uh, most evangelical churches, not the ones with United in front of them because they don't really believe anything anymore. but um, not even know if they're mo- Christian. But they're semi-Pelagian. Not Pelagian, but semi-Pelagian. So Pelagius taught that um, man's nature was not corrupt; that there is still innate goodness in him. You know, we say we say Lutherans. You know, uh, we hate that in our natures we hate God. We're en- now by hate we hate God. We're enemies of God. If if we were left to our own, we would run from God. Right? A Semi-Pelagian says. No, there's something in us that allows us to choose God. I certainly would never expect Bonhoeffer or Luther to buy into that for a second, because that's the under undercurrent right. of that evangelical, uh, let's be focused on conversions. Mm-hmm. and So for several years, I... Went to such a church down down river. uh, Here? Yeah. They were supporting me in the seminary. Uh, African-American Baptist church missionary. Their pastor uh, had decided he was going to adopt me, and so that's great. I went to several services, and uh, if you can imagine St. Stephen's.
0: Our St. Stephen's. Our
1: St. Stephen's what would it be like if every service at the end we lined up folding ch- chairs like this church did and invite those who wanted to give their life to Jesus to come forward and receive Jesus? There'd be a lot of empty chairs because there's yes. no one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's no one there to come. But they were just relentless in putting these chairs up in front of the faithful, call. They weren't they weren't asking people who had you now we don't use this word, backslid to come forward. They were looking for converts, but everybody in that church was converted. converted. Yeah. But we have to do this because this is who we are. That was really strange to me.
0: Is that church still around? Oh yeah. Yeah. you ever hear from them?
1: <laughs> no, not 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 since two thousand and five when I was Ordained because then I couldn't okay. play like that anymore. <laughs> I see. <laughs> that makes sense. Somebody would rat me. Yes. Out. Uh, I don't know if we talked about that religious thing as much as we should have last time. I think we said something like this is the letters in prison thing, you know, and the objection is that he's abandoned the organized church. Um, Bonhoeffer has abandoned the organized church. and Once again, you have to put that in the context of one could first say the organized church had already abandoned him.
0: Right. right? We touched on that near the end of last week. Yes.
1: The state church embraced Hitler. Hitler was the new Messiah. We replaced Christ with Hitler. Mm -hmm. There were churches that uh, hadn't fully signed up for that, but they weren't exactly, to quote Bonhoeffer, they were not exactly being spokes in the wheel. They were riding low and trying to get through the storm. Um, And so if in prison after a complete failure of the German church, the complete failure of those who uh, outside Germany, like the Barmen, Uh, whatever the that Parliament Declaration. Yeah. All of whom bailed when it was time to stand up for the Jews. Mm -hmm. They all... These are churches that were safe from Hitler. Right, right. They bailed on that and uh, compromised. um, And so if he were to say the organized church is not where to find Christ, yeah, I could kind of see that. But we also know this... I don't know that this author understands that we see the church in two ways, the physical church, which is not the true church, and the invisible church, which is the true church. So I read these comments, and he's throwing himself into the invisible church and turning his back on the visible church, not a particularly American uh, view in evangelicalism too to see the uh well we just had All Saints day right we discussed um, in the evangelical world you're either one of three things you know you're lost that's a polite word you're a, you you are spiritual and you need a sound effect for when I do that right <laughs> <Yeah>. spiritual <laughs> you're or quotes. you're carnal you're a spiritual Christian or you're a carnal Christian or you're just Lost. lost and headed to hell um, and so for them they can't get their minds around the sinner saint thing because it's uh, it's two opposing truths colliding and how you got you gotta it's got to be one or the other right one mm-hmm. in fact it can't, can't be their orban both. offer would say no you're both right, right. hold on Wait everybody! Homeland Security's checking. Us yeah, around.
0: that's what it's. Look, it's. I sound like an alien. I have no idea if this is coming through. Or how this is coming through? But it's very odd. Hold on. I'm gonna. Spend. So we're back. So try, try that again.
1: In the evangelical world, that's nonsense to say that I am simultaneously sinner and saint, because you must be one or the other, um, and that. Again, it's exemplified in the idea for Christians: you are either spiritual or you're carnal; mm-hmm. you're either faithful or you're backslidden. Right? And so those are categories. And Luther and I would say Bonhoeffer. I don't think he's explicit about simultaneous and saying. That's kind of a Lutheran thing, right? We are able to leave those things in tension. Like how can it how can the bread be body and how can the wine be blood? We leave those in tension and say, Yes, they are both mm-hmm. because obviously in the physical world it's bread, but God's word says it's blood, therefore that is the truth. That is body and blood and bread and wine. We're able to accept that in the evangelical world?
0: No. I think a lot of that is because we're just trying to find, you're trying to uh, self justify. So you're trying to like find answers. So, like, because it's not possible for bread to be both bread and body, uh, it has to be. That's why the Catholic Church has the. The transubstantiation or whatever, it becomes one. It's not even that it is. It's if they're willing to accept that it is the body, but it transforms. So it's no, it loses the other. Yes,
1: it looks like bread, it tastes like bread, but it is not
0: bread. Right, because it can't be both. Right, and so that that principle, I think, has that echoes through a lot of different parts of christianity and denominations so it's not a new it's not it's not a new struggle that struggle is not new
1: so yeah, back back to the church religion yeah i it's very clear to me that everything uh, especially after he returns from new york is about strengthening those that remain in the faith he's not interested not that he would reject but he's not interesting interested in bringing more new Christians into this mess, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the church. Okay. So I got a quote here to give you to think about. Didn't share it with you beforehand. Uh, Is that a purpose? It's it's one of the no. It's one of the places where again Bonhoeffer doesn't anywhere in his writings challenge Luther. Many places he ch- challenges Barth. So when you say he's Barth's disciple, y- 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 yes and no. Okay. So this is the quote. The guy's name is Pangrits. Bon- hmm?
0: So that's a fun name. <laughs>
1: yeah. Bonhoeffer felt that Barth's treatment of the doctrines of Trinity and the Virgin Birth failed to respect the fact that these topics are divine mysteries which demand veneration rather than detailed explanation. I'm reading that right now because that emphasizes that Bonhoeffer was able to leave these things in tension. I can't explain the virgin birth, Mm -hmm. but Jesus was born of a virgin. I can't explain the Trinity, but God is Trinity. And so Barth. Barth felt the need to, he was a Calvinist too, Barth, so Calvinists love explanations. Right. They don't like mysteries. They answer everything, and those things that they can't answer, they always say, well, it's the... Sovereignty of, of God. God. Yes. And I roll my eyes whenever I hear that because it's uh-huh. an escape clause, right? Yes. Yeah. Safety net. net. Safety net, yeah. So, just just consider it. If... Bonhoeffer's view of scripture was so low, why would he challenge Barth on something like the virgin birth or the Trinity? Because he had a different, higher view of scripture than Barth did. Right.
0: It has has to, even if you can't make sense of it, it has to be because God's word says so. That's... That's what I tell people with when it comes to the Lord's Supper. I I don't really think there's any other explanation that we need as to why we believe what we believe about the Lord's Supper, right? Every every Sunday when we when we get ready to take communion, I tell our people uh, that this is the body and blood of Jesus, and the reason that we believe this is very simple, because Jesus says so. Jesus in His Word, in multiple places, four different places, right? Three Gospels and an Epistle. God's Word says, this is my body given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. I don't understand that. You don't understand that. But because God's Word says it, we believe it. We don't need another explanation yeah. for that.
1: Or the word that was applied to offer here, we venerate that. That just means yeah. we honor God's mm-hmm. Word and say... He said it; therefore, it is right. So
0: we you spent a little bit of time briefly talking about the apologetic part. God doesn't need to make a defense for Himself. We make defenses, right? We defend our faith. We make bold statements that back up what we say and what the claim, different claims that we say about our faith and things like that. But God never needs to make a defense for what He says. That's why Jesus is silent well, when you're He's. Get me before in trouble Pilate. now. So okay.
1: we have an <laughs> apologetics industry in, in America, right? Sure. Pick a topic. I don't know. Noah's Ark. That's not that far away from here, right? Ken Ham, right. all of that. Um, the Creation Museum. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying carefully not to say that it's not important. But being brought to faith is not your decision, speaking as a Lutheran. Therefore, it's absolutely not your decision Therefore, my trying to convince you of something being true has no impact, yeah. right? So, okay, it's the Word and the Spirit speaking through the Word to us. It's not the Word and Ken Ham, oh, guys, going to hate me, <laughs> speaking the Word to us, showing us how all those animals can fit in that ark. Yeah. That, that has a purpose, but that's now... Not how people are converted.
0: It's because it's, it's not the gospel. Right.
1: That's the problem. I I don't even know where he gets the, the idea that he's against apologetics other than that Bonhoeffer is willing to allow things in Scripture to lie which may or may not, in his opinion, be factually um, true. One of the things in the article, it says... He doubts the Garden of Gethsemane scenes, and in particular, he doubts the words Jesus spoke to the Father. Hmm. Sounds like one of our people. Sound, because nobody was there but Jesus, so how can anybody after Jesus' death write down what Jesus and right. God were saying? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. It's a great question. But you have to roll it back and say, if this is inspired by the Holy Spirit, then... Yeah, the Holy Spirit provided the information, right? Mm-hmm. But
0: I mean, Moses writes the Genesis history, right? He wasn't yeah. there when Adam and Eve were there, oh. right? But yet he's credited as being the author.
1: Or not, right? How many different sources are there for the books of Moses? Four or five? right? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, or how many times do critics... Divide Isaiah up into two or three different right. authors. Right. I guess I want to say there is a sense when of just let the Spirit speak through the Word as it has been handed down to us and don't try to take it apart and defend or attack. Uh, so if, if, musical analogy, so if the uh, Scriptures are a trumpet... What we want to hear is music coming out the other mm-hmm. end, um, and if beautiful music comes out the other end, I'm not, I'm not sure I even believe what I'm saying. So, beautiful music <laughs> comes out the other end. I don't discount the music because one of the valves was sticky, or uh, okay.
0: or. I was wondering where you were going. Yeah, with it's that.
1: the instrument. I'm kind of come at this from a Bonhoefferian viewpoint the instrument is necessary, but the instrument is not the message. Right. The message is the Holy Spirit moving through the instrument right. to bring us to Christ.
0: right that's I've often heard that uh, used as, as a, you know we, the Holy Spirit is often compared to wind right and how the wind moves and things like that. Hmm. And so the preacher, um, the book, the prophet whoever it is, it's as the the trumpet, and mm-hmm. so the spirit is blowing through. Is there's
1: a picture hanging over your head of? Oh yeah. All the prophets and the angels. There's a guy in a pulpit preaching, and on his left and right are the New Testament and Old Testament saints, right. speaking through him to the congregation. Right,
0: and so, and so the spirit moves through all of those people to blows through blows the air through that trumpet, so. <laughs> I've, uh, this is one one person in my class said, Oh, so we're just full of hot air. (laughs) I said, Yep, pretty much. And yet the spirit takes that and makes beautiful music and for the hearer to hear and to fall in love with God's word. So
1: just push that just a second here. Um, So there's the pastor. He's standing not behind the pulpit, not the picture. I'm thinking of you, young man. Great. Okay, and for me, um, and the and the parishioners are hearing. Let's let's pretend that we're doing the pure word of God and law and gospel properly, et cetera, et cetera. You and they pretend? look down at me and say, "You didn't polish his shoes this morning," or look at you and say, "What's he doing in those red spangly sneakers?" <laughs> And they discount, right? They discount
0: the message. It's easy because,
1: to discount yeah. the instrument, and when you do that, you discount the message. And so. Yeah,
0: it was like that. Reminds me of the folly from a couple weeks ago. Remember me telling you about this when I had that video of Dream I confess giving me a that hug. you wore spangly? Oh, of course, yes, I wore red shoes. They, there red, they were red. red spangly interesting, shoes interesting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on Pentecost. Is,
0: I don't even know what spangly means.
1: It's shiny things.
0: Shiny, on. okay. Yes, they had, it was, there was a very interesting pattern. I wore a pair of, they were, they were bright red Converse shoes that I wore for Reformation day (laughs) to go with the stole and the altar cloths and all that. But what you're saying reminds me from a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, we were still having worship down here in the Fellowship Hall and the, it was communion time and the little girl gave me a hug, four years old, three years old, and I posted the security footage on twitter do you ever read talking about this and how what a beautiful moment it was one of the people was like oh this is a beautiful moment but i just can't fathom a pastor giving communion in sneakers and so i started thinking like okay are you suggesting that the shoes matter in what the message is and which is what it which is what it, why i bring that up is because that's what you said um can it aid in it? Absolutely, it can. Mm. If you if Deacon John goes up and preaches with no shoes and his feet are disgusting, and everyone's focused on that, and I mean, it takes that's away not even it. an
1: if, but okay,
0: right, <laughs> right, but it can. But it's overall no. If like what you said, if one of the valves on the trumpet is sticky, it's no one's going to be saying, "Well, I'm not going to hear music because it's a sticky valve." It doesn't invalidate the message. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Or an, as, we, or, or the messenger should not invalidate the message, no. right? It's, Even if he's wearing a flamingo shirt. Yes, shout out, Kevin. Gosh, <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> uh, another difference here. I, I don't know where this will go, but um, as I was researching this, it said um, a difference between Barth and Bonhoeffer. Barth, Calvinist, rejects the whole idea that there could possibly be two kingdoms. And for Bonhoeffer, it's he's, he says the two kingdoms is absolutely essential to understand how God works. Yeah.
0: Uh, two kingdoms meaning like kingdom right, kingdom left. Right. Right, kingdom of grace, kingdom of the world.
1: And, you know, Calvin, early Calvinism, they were about setting up the kingdom of God on earth, mm-hmm. one kingdom, Um, the Puritans, pilgrims, same thing, right? They they didn't distinguish between the um, civil government and um, theocracy, what they thought of themselves as is a theocracy. God is working through us, and so that's another big... uh, Okay, so how about we head into this quote I sent you about Luther as a historical critic... Of the New Testament,
0: did we t- did we mention that last week?
1: I don't think we did, or I at least not. we did. We did, but my, it's a good place to end.
0: Okay, so we'll go. So we'll go
1: back to it. Yeah. So certainly Luther was not a historical critic like the Jesus Project or anything right. like that. I mean, who? who Kurt Allen, who mm-hmm. he, he said that for shock effect, in my opinion. But the. Um, the truth in the statement is that for Luther, it was more significant. Um, the content of the New Testament books trumped the authorship of them. So one of the problems with, I guess is a fancy word for biblia idolatry.
0: Biblia idolatry three, meaning?
1: Meaning that we see it most often it, the King James Version, authorized I by okay. God, you know, every word, that's everything. Thought, that's what I thought you meant, right? Yeah. So the problem with holding that position and saying that this had to, this epistle had to have been written uh, before this date, and has to have been written by this apostle, um, and if you if you take that stand, here comes a critic and and can you know. Uh, invalidate your position if they if they can prove well James wasn't written mm-hmm. by the Apostle James right? or um, the Revelation wasn't written by the Apostle John or who whoever wrote Hebrews because we don't know who it is it's not valid because he has no apostolic claim whoever the author is right. right. A more Luther idea would be yeah, set that aside look at what it says. Yeah. Is it...
0: Does it proclaim Christ?
1: Does it proclaim Christ? And, and the example last week was, why did why did Luther object to the book of James? Not because he doubted who wrote it, he just didn't see Christ in it.
0: Right. Okay. And, and if you're reading it alone, without yeah. any background, you're not going to get Christ out yeah. of it. No.
1: And he accepted Hebrews, even though he had no, I, no, he had doubts about who wrote it. Early, he said Paul. Later, said no, not, not Paul. But he accepted the book because yeah. Christ was in it everywhere. Who do you think wrote it? Who do I think wrote it? Do you think it was Paul? Fetterman. But- <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm trying to think of that guy. That uh, remember the litany of people in the Corinthian's church. Yeah, I think it's Apollos. I think it's Apollos yeah.
0: too. Um, I don't I don't know and I would never say no. that definitively, but
1: and you know, again the whole historical criticism is intended intent is to invalidate the scripture, right? Yeah. Right. So the Jesus project project that was like a bunch of scholars and they had it's like balls, like little black ball, white ball, red ball I don't remember the colors, but they would vote with that. Oh, this verse was... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. this verse was certainly written by, this was, we're mm, not sure if this is even <laughs> valid. Oh, this definitely is not. Right. And so what do you, you end up with this shotgun Bible, not a Bible that shoots, but a right. Bible that's <laughs> right. been shot. Right. right. You know, there's these pellets all through it, and you don't even know what to believe anymore because... Like buckshot. Yeah, they buckshotted it, and so... It's an inelegant, inelegant way of drawing to mind the Jefferson Bible with his yeah. penknife, cutting out the parts that are... So maybe wrapping up, I, I fully admit Bonhoeffer is not evangelical.
0: Well,
1: that doesn't it mean you shouldn't listen to him. would be driven out of the Dallas Theological Seminary.
0: Might be driven out, actually, of some Lutheran seminaries.
1: If you opened your mouth, you'd be driven out. That's true. Uh, Was a basic thing, a really basic thing, right? If he is all that this critic says, and then we read him and say, but he's sacramental, how can a person who is sacramental be the biblical critic that is being described? A sacramental person, by definition, must step forth in faith and say, I don't understand, but God's word says, therefore right. I believe and I do. Yeah. Uh, so but it is actually kind of chic, C H I C chic to attack Bonhoeffer now because so many he's been elevated as Saint like like one of the maybe this guy said, you know. Saint he's Dietrich? everything to everybody. Yeah. To the revolutionary Social gospel people, mm-hmm. he's the man, and to, yeah. you know, conservatives, well, he's the man. And-
0: yeah, that's a weird. and a couple episodes ago, we were talking about Pastor Riley and Pastor Gillespie who attacked him. That was our first, uh, not attacked him, criticized, but that was one of our first episodes where we came to defense and thought, okay, they bring up some good points, let's talk through it. Um, but he said, Pastor Riley was like, M- "This is I have a, a an obsessive personality. So when he once he started reading, he couldn't stop, and for years he was all about Dietrich. Dietrich was everything, and and then it it was he had a couple of people say, hey, think about it this way,' and then it became the op- the polar opposite, swung
1: the other way, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I, I think you got you got to find the balance there. You got to find the yeah. balance and say, okay, we can. We always consider his context. Always consider who he's speaking to. That his goal is not to be a missionary. His goal is not to be an evangelist. It's to actually speak into you said nominal Christians uh, who have uh, conformed to society. And I think that's what he does. And I think that God. That's what God has used him for. And ultimately,
1: it got him killed. That's, I think, is his power today, is that same message to nominal Christians and nominal churches. The the church that seems to be, you mentioned it not by name, but I won't, the church that seems to be all about helping other people, but is very content that their people actually affirm the lifestyle, the unbiblical lifestyle that many of their people live, well, that's okay because we're reaching out here. It's sort of like mm. politics. It's full circle. Don't yeah. look here. Look yeah. out there. Um, yeah.
0: and so I will say that they were very adamant on telling their people to vote no on Prop 3. So that was good. I was very impressed with, with the churches that have actually been bold enough to say that. All right, that is time to wrap up for today. Thank you so much for listening. Maybe next week we'll... Uh, Take a look at rusty sword. No rusty swords. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. But Pastor, o, you're going on vacation this I'm gonna week. I'm going to so go enjoy. see my oldest
1: daughter. It's like once a year. I have four daughters. Three of them live. Yeah, mo- they, they mostly live within five, six miles of me. So yeah, and I got one who decided to live a 1,200. Yes. At one and point, it was 999 miles when we used to drive it. I think so less great. than a
0: thousand. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to Missouri. So enjoy it. And we will look forward to being with you uh, again next, when you get back. So for the next episode, we're not even going to miss an episode, which will be great. So, uh, and we will look forward to hearing from all of you, seeing you. Uh, Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, Make sure you go to the website, check us out. be in contact with us, all that good stuff. Uh, we can't do what we do without you, and we certainly enjoy doing this for you. So if it's been helpful, continue to let us know. If there are other things you want us to talk about, uh, questions, comments, concerns. That's what I always say here at Family of God, and let us know. So in the meantime, though, go with God's peace today. If no one has told you yet, he loves you, and so do we. Take care, everyone.